This is the After Hours Director's Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. In this episode, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with Benjamin Easley, director of bands at Nolansville High School in Nolansville, Tennessee, a town of around 16,000 located a half hour south of Nashville. In this episode, we'll learn more about Benjamin's approach to maintaining high retention rates in the band program at Nolansville, how his approach to teaching has changed as a result of COVID, and much more. Our conversation was recorded July 1st, 2022. It's broken up into two episodes, and this is part two. Well, Benjamin, I want to transition a little bit and talk about um, retention within your program, uh, because you made a comment to me when I saw you earlier this summer, uh, and if you don't mind, I'm going to brag on your behalf, that you have 100% of your students returning for the upcoming fall, that you did not lose a single student, which uh, is is super admirable. I mean, I think that there's a natural tendency that to maybe lose a few, even within extremely healthy programs for whatever reason. But I want to unpack that. I mean, obviously retention is something that you spend is very, you're very intentional with it because you don't get to 100% accidentally. Mm-hmm. Tell me your philosophy on retention. And then perhaps let's go a, a level deeper. And once we talk philosophy, we can start talking about behaviors and how that influences your teaching and, and how that actually is reflected in your classroom to get you to that 100% number. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, COVID actually helped, which I don't know if you hear that a lot, but uh, when it first hit, it didn't help in the sense that we were not able to grow. But I'm probably most proud that we didn't lose numbers during COVID. Um, But when I say COVID helped, coming out of COVID, at least in our area, as you heard from many, the kids were just so excited to be back and at it that this past fall season the energy was just at an all-time high on the field, in rehearsals, in the classroom. It was just, um, we were so excited to be back together fully, if you will. And so this unique retention, while I was still somewhat surprised by it because we've never kind of hit that mark, and that hasn't been a goal. It's not like we sit there and track it and go, we had 98% this year. But I think COVID helped in the sense that this past fall was really life-giving for a lot of our students, and you, you could just see it in their eyes. Um, you could just tell that they were really bought in and excited to be back. And so, yeah, everybody that was in the ignite fall season is back. And, um, you know, it was just, it was so cool to see it happen. I mean, we we are so pumped to dig into band camp and start a new season together. Um, as far as retention itself, cause I think you mentioned it again, I'm just going to kind of keep coming back to, there's no substitute for good teaching and learning and community building. Um, you know, the, our mission in Nolansville Band is to realize potential, develop character, and facilitate community through musical excellence. And I want to just I want to briefly break that down because I think it, it hits at the retention. So the realizing potential is the first piece, and we are so big on that. We say it, it's a self improvement thing, but it's wherever you are in the program. If you are eighth chair trumpet in the concert band or all state in the wind ensemble, we want to see you max your full potential, whatever that is. And so when you get kids on that track, it creates a lot of buy-in because I do believe that the third chair French horn and our third band is oftentimes equally motivated with the Allstate kid that's in lessons because they see where they fit in and they know the goals and they see that they're getting better on their instruments and in their marching technique and they really strive to better themselves. And then from there, the developing character piece and facilitating community pieces are just a big part of who we are in Nolansville. It's very much uh, like a Union City 
in terms of it being a small community where there's a lot of buy-in. And so we take that theme of our community and spin it in the band program to where there's just a lot of um, focus on feeling like you belong and like you're a part. We all want to be long. We all want to be known. And so we really do hit home with that. I mentioned it, but Frank was one of my big mentors, especially with student leadership and, of course, Tim. And we really do put a lot of energy in developing our instructional leadership so that the students have a ton of ownership. Um, I learned in Texas very quickly that a comment coming from a drum major who's 17 means way more than a comment from the box with Mr. Easley saying it. And so, if, again, if you came to a Nolensville rehearsal, you might be a bit surprised at how much the students are active and involved, even verbally in the instruction. We really give them a lot of ownership and independence so that it helps guide their peers and make them feel connected. Because, again, I even do it with the shows. I mean, even this summer, I was like, hey, guys, I'm thinking about putting this song in the show. What do you think? And they're like, no, do not do that one. That is so cheesy now that went out six months ago and I go, all right, cool, cool. We'll we'll drop it, whatever, you know, but I think it's those little touch points of, again, not to knock Papa easily, but you know, I grew up in a generation that was very much the band director kind of looks at you and more authoritarian, like tells you what to do and you go do it. And you know, if I do that nowadays, like, sorry, there's my job. And so I, I just, I like the synergy and the, the mentality of approaching it to where I can be very student focused and student led and driven. So again, I look at them and go, Hey, like, do you guys think we need a water break? Like, I know that's simple, but just those little touch points where, Hey, if at any point you guys think we need to do this instead of that, y'all come tell me, like read the group and give me their vibe. And because of it, I do think my kids feel empowered and autonomous a lot. And that's, that's one of the things that keeps them back. I don't, I don't know. I haven't read his stuff in a while, but Dan Pink, you know, does all the motivation theory stuff. And he, he always talks about the three pieces. One of them is autonomy. That's a big one that, that people buy in and are motivated when they feel like they have a say. So here in a bit at lunch, my five-year-old Harper is, you know, gonna want to pick what she eats for lunch. And I'm going to give her some guidelines and boundaries within that. But if I tell her what she's eating, she's already going to be obstinate because she's five and she just, whatever it was, even if it's her favorite food, if I said eat it, she don't want to eat it. So I'm going to give her the opportunity, you know, within some boundaries to pick it. And that's what we really try to do with our students. My students help me in rep selection. Um, I'll come to them in January and go, hey guys, here are multiple pieces that we're considering for concert performance assessment. Let's listen to them all. Let's learn about the composers. It gives me an opportunity to engage them. And again, Nick, the reason I share all these long vignettes is I think that hits at retention. I can't tell you that it's just the eighth grade night that we have or the pizza party or the holiday movie in the band room. I think it's all those things. But I think more than that, I see a lot of programs that do a lot of events to recruit. And you and I both know it, it, it doesn't, the numbers don't suggest that it was that helpful. You know, like we can all buy t-shirts and do the things, but to me, here we go again, it's the relational piece and it's, it's the buy-in piece. It's the autonomy piece. It's getting them to feel like, why do I matter in this big band sitting over here with my instrument? And there are so many different reasons that one could matter and feel engaged. And we just try to really, like I said, tailor that to the individual so that they want to come back for more. Well, you, you mentioned some of the things that you do, and, and obviously that's not to say you don't do any retention. You named them off that there are things that you do. Mm-hmm. But when you gave those three headings earlier, and I want to back up and have you repeat them again, it fits under the community piece, right? Like, and, and that's one of the things about your three headings that I absolutely love, the vision here for the program, is that um, it, it's not specific to a certain kind of student, like a high-caliber musician. And it is inclusive of every single person, regardless of where you come from socioeconomically, whether you Mm -hmm. uh, are in band because you love the musicianship or you love band because it is simply a place where you feel like you fit in and the musicianship is second. 
I love that it incorporates everybody on their unique journey that brings them into your band room. I mean, the, the, these are accident, these are intentional, not accidental statements that you've developed. So, can you give us those three headings again? Because as you unpacked them, they they became more and more evident. Yeah, sure. So the first was realizing potential, and then developing character, and facilitating community through musical excellence. And so on that piece, I'll steal one from Frank Troika. I heard him say this and I use it all the time. You know, he said, people come up to me and say, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a teacher. Okay, cool. What do you teach? And you say, well, I teach kids. And they look at you kind of funny, like, okay, but like, really, what do you teach? And it's like, well, I do. I teach kids through music. So for us, music is the vehicle and that still has to be right there, co-piloting, passenger seat. The music has to be both and it's first along with the community piece, but we have to look at the individual along the way. And like I said, not every kid is going to want to be an all state or take lessons. And I'm okay with that. And I learned that at union city as well. I will say Papa easily as my kids refer to him, did a great job about that of, you know, if you got the kid there, that's there for the trip and they're social. And the only reason they're in band is because their buddies are in there. That's cool. We're not going to lean on them heavily for, you know, the solo and the thing. And so, but that's okay that they want to be there for that reason. I'm fine with that. I mean, we all come to the table with different wants and needs. And so the more we can get everybody going on that and help them realize the best version of themselves. I had a kid in middle school, Rebecca and I did, who literally would run out of the band room every day with just debilitating anxiety. I mean, the the kid played tuba. He could not sit in a rehearsal without getting so worked up that he had to go and leave and kind of time out. And it was so cool to see his progression in high school band because it was one of those things where our goal for him was literally being able to to function effectively in rehearsal. And over time, with the support of his peers and that intervention specifically, he got more and more comfortable, felt like he belonged, and ended up in the wind ensemble by his junior year on tuba. And that wind ensemble was never the goal for this kid. The goal for this kid was existing and, and, and thriving in a really difficult environment where he felt sensory overload and a lot of anxiety. And so I say that to say the old, old me would have looked at that kid and gone, well, he has no business doing high school band. We're not even going to be able to put him in a drill spot because he's going to miss rehearsal because he has to go sit out. And when you flip the script and really try to see every kid where they are, and help the students be empowered to help you with that. Because let's—I mean, that's the other thing, Nick. We all act like, oh, I want to target every kid. Well, I, I can't possibly know what all these kids are feeling and dealing with, but their peers do. And the more that we can empower their peers to lead out well and come to me and filter with, hey, I haven't told you about Brandon in a while, but like he's really struggling. Like they come to me when it's more escalated, and then I can help with intervention. But before that, man, the kids handle it. I mean, it's the community piece. It's, man, you see your you see your fellow man down, pick them up. You know, whatever you think they need. They need a ride, take them home. They can't get here, go pick them up. Whatever the thing is, don't come to me with that. You guys handle it. It's your band program. And so that's that's been big for us. And again, I think it's like any good culture or tribe. Like once you feel like you belong like that, there's just, of course, you're going to keep doing band. There's never a question that you wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. Does does having those statements so clearly articulated help you to filter out the requests for your program or the things that otherwise might be a distraction from those things that really contribute? Because I, I hear those statements and I think, man, w- what a great filter for you to run these requests through. Does it help me accomplish one of these three things? Well, if it doesn't, I don't really want to spend my time doing it. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, really, that it just it guides what we do. 
Uh, it, re- it reminds me, my wife, after she finished her dance career, she was employed by the Container Store, which is headquartered in Dallas. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Container Store, but they're one oh, of, you know. Oh, my wife knows it well, yeah. Okay, well, constantly one of Fortune's best to work for, you know, year after year. And similar to a Southwest, I mean, their big mantra is, we love our employees. So Container Store's whole thing is, forget the customer, they'll figure it out. If we focus on our employees, they will then take care of our customers. And I know this is similar like an AMRO or any thriving, vibrant, you know, company in this economy, but it's one of those things where we, we are, man, we are so student centered and focused that, and, and I'm not perfect at it. Hear me. There are times when my ego gets in the way, uh, like others, I'm sure. And I go, man, we really need to do this. And when I feel the kids pushing back, I'm like, okay, cool. No, we're not going to do it. You know, I have to check myself and go. And that's where too, having that inner core leadership can help. Cause I'll pull in those inner circle of kids and go, Hey guys, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And if it's mostly nays, you know, I don't need to call my mentors and ask, should I do it musically or philosophically? I should just not do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Benjamin, you, you mentioned that perhaps one of the the pros of COVID was the student engagement. There was just this burning energy to come back and to be together again and how that kind of has, has leveraged your program and kept things going. One of the cons I've heard repeated is that the kids have changed, that there are behavioral and maturity issues that have to be addressed that, that as an education community, we weren't necessarily seeing pre-COVID. A, what's your opinion on that statement? And B, has COVID changed how you interact and teach with your students from just two years ago? Yeah, wow, that one's, yes, that one hits home for sure. Um, Behavioral, yes, in the sense that I know it's the big buzzword of the last two years, but the mental health piece really has been palpable and apparent. It's been visceral. I've seen it uh, play out repeatedly uh, in our rehearsal environments and our spaces. And, and, and to be more specific, our kids are struggling. They really are. And my experience is, is that the effects are more acute now than they were in the height of COVID. I think when COVID was especially rampant in our area, everybody was inside anyway. And the kids were certainly down and depressed about it, but then also we're all binging all of our favorite things and we're dopamine numbing and we can kind of tune all of it out. And now that we're back to reality, yeah, it's been tough, man. It really has. My kids in general have been resilient, but there are limits to how far I can push them in certain capacities in rehearsal. Uh, I find myself having to check my own um, emotionality and my tone toward them. It's one of those things where even some of my quote unquote toughest, grittiest kids will shut down on me in rehearsal. If I go too dark compared to, you know, the taskmaster and me that might've pushed a little harder in this one ensemble rehearsal in prior years. And so I do feel like the kids are generally more fragile as a result. And it's one of those things that I think in the, when we came back fall of 20, the 2021 school year for me was the most challenging in that regard because it was just so difficult to know how to relate to the students. I never felt so disconnected from a group of students just because of our time apart. And so really this 21-22 year was me relearning a lot of that and a mix of frustration with the situation in the kids. Like, God, what, man, you guys used to be this way. Why are we having to just you know baby you and all the things? Until really it just... I really think that, I mean, God started to melt my heart on it. It was one of those things where I just went, man, you, you've got to change. 
Like these are your young people who are not fully developed till 25. Okay. You, you have to change now if you want to help them continue on and pick up the pieces. And so it was something that I'm not even a big journaler, but it's something in the past year, man, I've journaled about that so much, you know, just crying and pouring out on who am I, who are they, how can we relate and pick up the pieces and move on. And for me, I really have had to approach it differently. I've had to take a gentler approach. I've had to be more patient and long suffering. And I finally gotten over my entitlement and realized that, you know what, that's, that's okay. My, the rules have changed. And as a leader, this is what I have to do to adapt and adjust to help my company succeed. Wow. I, you, you have obviously reflected on this a great deal, but I, I don't hear any tinge of, I wish it was the way it used to be in, in your voice. And am I misreading that? Um, no, you're not. That's because I've I've come full circle. Uh, that definitely was there. In fact, um, I'll just be candid too. I haven't even shared. I've shared this with some of my students and definitely my family. For me, and again, Nick, music is all I've ever known. And for me, being a teacher is a calling. Um, my wife has been so supportive uh, in this career and profession. And I say I share that to say for me, this has never been just a job. But last fall was my first very real. I'm taking a personal day, and I could do graphic design. Like I could do that. I'm doing that already. I could sell houses. Like, let's do something else. This is not going to work. And so I, for me, man, I was just, I was in the pit myself for the longest last fall. And it was just like, a, this sucks. Like, I don't know if I can keep doing this because this is not my brand of band and I'm not going to change who I am. That's ridiculous. I have all this, you know, history of being the way that I've been. But yeah, man, it, like I said, it was probably like late November, December, where I really sort of had that defining moment. And then it was a process all spring of me refining my character and my approach. Never my expectations, though. I do want to be clear on that. Mm. For me, it was never like, a, well, now we have to settle. It was no, again, we're going to define it differently. We're still going to make beautiful music together. It's just the pathway is going to look a little different to get there. And just like when I take my girls and my wife on a road trip, everybody but me has to stop and pee like every 30 minutes, right? It's like, I just want to get there. This is not efficient. But you know what? I want my family to be intact and to love each other. And so I've got to be able to pull off on the side of the road and just smile. And now we're going to get back on the road and we're going to get there, you know, all total, what, six minutes later. But it was totally worth it to help everyone feel loved and cared for. And that's a little bit what this has been. I can't believe I'm comparing COVID and my band program to road trips and urination, but that's, you know, that's what it's, that's what it's been. It's kind of like, all right, man, what are you going to do? Are you going to die to self here and do what needs to be done? Or are you going to let your ego thrive and be alone and have a bunch of kids quit band? Because that's kind of where it was headed. Woo, Benjamin, you, you got all, man, you got all sorts of truth bombs that you're dropping in this conversation, man. This has absolutely been fantastic. Well, uh, you mentioned your family, and I think that's a great segue. I'd love to spend just a few minutes um, talking about your work-life balance because, again, I think that's that's such an important topic, and, and it's a, very clear in this conversation that, that you have spent a great deal of time bringing intentionality and reflection into how you want your life to be and how you want your career to fit within that. Uh, you, you have a, a family. You have a, a daughter starting kindergarten. Is that right? Yeah, we have two girls, one going into third and one going into kindergarten. Yeah, so you're at an age and a stage in life where you can't blink. I've got two little girls, too, where you can't blink or you miss some really exciting things. And so how how have you found that work-life balance to ensure that you run this program that's got 170 members and 100% retention and you're in your community doing great things? And by the way, 
I don't want to miss those moments with my family. I want to, I want to be able to prioritize that. How have you found that balance or do you feel like you have? Yeah, I feel like I'm finding it. Um, I had mentioned earlier in my story, you know, the trombone thing at SMU pursuing the professional route. And then later the Texas band directing early in my young career as both kind of defining moments for me where I found the limit, you know, and lost myself as a result. Me personally, I, I didn't find a successful way to balance everything. And so in both instances, I had to make a difficult choice to change my circumstances and which is tough for me. I'm like that firstborn type a, you know, successful achiever Enneagram that like, I'm going to figure it out. And sometimes it's just surrender. It's letting go and redefining it. And so since we moved here and the girls have gotten older and been more involved in things and our family has been so important to all of us in our stories. Non, I will say the Nolensville model and the non-competitive thing has really, really supported that and helped facilitate it. Um, you know, it's not like I look at my community or my principal and say, Hey, I'm going to go non-competitive so that I can actually like chill with my family on the weekends. But absolutely that's intentional. And it's an added benefit of having more of a balance as a band program. And I'll tell you, Nick, even though we're talking about family, I think my band kids are better for it too. In fact, I know they are. Our students are involved in so many different extracurriculars, just like it was in Union City in the 90s, back before smartphones and all the different things that competed for their attention. And we really hold that tightly. It's one of those things where I don't want my kids to hate their band experience because it consumed them. I want them to be good humans. I want them to be well-rounded in a world that still generally looks for specialists, I think it's okay for them and preferable for them to have other interests and not always be in the band room. And in my experience, when that's balanced, they're more likely to really get after it when we are focused and in rehearsal. And so uh, it's been great. I mean, I read um, I read a book that I, I probably only said this three times that actually changed my life in 2020. It was uh, John Mark Comer. He's a pastor in Oregon. Uh, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's like a salmon cover. And uh, that one changed changed my life, literally. Uh, the very quick version is just that, you know, he argues for a biblical Sabbath, which wouldn't have to be a faith-based if you didn't want it to be, but this idea of unplugging truly for 24 hours. And my family and I have been doing that pretty consistently for the last two years now, where on Saturday night, my wife bakes a cookie cake and we all sit around and light candles and we start our family Sabbath. And from sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday, there are no devices in the home. It's literally just the four of us. When we, we do still go to church and we can get together with friends and we can work out and take naps and play board games and just focus on the family. But man, just having that 24 hours a week unplugged truly to be able to see each other and refresh and rejuvenate and replenish our own energies has just been redefining for our family. So that is not a banned book, but I would recommend it to listeners to check it out. Again, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer. Uh, it's one of those things that, like I said, it's it's actually helped me with work. I've been more effective in my profession because I've taken time away. And uh, it's it's been great, man. My wife and I are 13 years Facebook sober. So we just we, we said bye to social media right after we got married. And um, again, this is kind of like competitive March Band, not judging people on Facebook. It's just something that, like I said, we just we had to kind of cut out to be able to really focus on each other and on our family and be sort of filled up to be able to serve our community and our students better. 
That's great. Well, again, just I keep using this word, but intentionality. I mean, you just have mm-hmm. a great deal of intentionality in the, in the way you structure your program, uh, the objectives of your program, but also when you walk out of those doors and how you spend your time. None of it sounds like it's on accident. And I just commend the work that you're doing because it, it sounds um, – I mean, you're making such a huge impact in, in managing to do all of the right things. That's so important. Thank you. So, Benjamin, as we wrap up, man, this hour has it's been an hour since we've hit the record button, and I've enjoyed this conversation so incredibly much. Is there anything else, any advice, closing thoughts, or just things on your heart or mind that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, being around this profession literally my whole life, I would just, I would really encourage uh, my colleagues out there who are listening to just really evaluate your priorities and just make the main thing the main thing whatever that is for you. I mean, if you want to, if you want to burn it and go full blown competitive and your community can do that and your kids are behind it, you do it and be the best version of that you can be. And if you're in a rural setup and things are kind of hurting and you're bleeding numbers and you don't know where to turn, do something different, you know, and, and, but, but list out your priorities and make the main thing or the main things, the main things. Um, I think that's something for me that has been a process and a journey over the last decade and I finally feel like I'm in my groove and I have that rhythm. I'm sure something will throw that out of, off balance here in the next year. But in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy that, that, you know, that pinnacle and that sweet ride. And so, uh, I just, yeah, I, I, like you said, the intentionality piece, I can't say it enough. I mean, I, this is off topic, but man, all of my best friends in this area are all MBAs. They're not band people. Okay. So you know, it's like my Harvard business school friends. And it's so cool to see them effectively run their companies, even at C levels, much like you guys do, because they know what they're about and they know what it takes to get there. And they're willing to really at a micro level, focus on the main things. And drowning out the noise and not letting themselves, you know, get uh, too busy and let the bandwidth be taken up by all the silly stuff. And so I think just again, man, if it just music educators, if we could just do a better job to be intentional about what we're doing, you know, finding our why and pursuing that, it's just going to it's going to help our students, which is why we're all here and doing what we do anyway. That's Benjamin Easley, director of bands at Nolansville High School in Nolansville, Tennessee, talking with Nick Averwater on the After Hours Director's Spotlight, which is presented by Amro Music, a family-owned company since 1921. At Amro, we work with over 600 schools in eight states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians, and these partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. Our director services department is ready to work with your school, too. Just email alan at amromusic.com or seth at amromusic.com. The After Hours podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. And you can hear many more conversations with music educators at amromusic.com slash afterhours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.